0: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
1: and for what feels like the first time in forever i am joined live in person by the smiling faces of scott mclaughlin and bridget prue
0: i'm not smiling please, please no please don't no, put that
1: out no. <laughs> you know uh, bridget can you recite the recording three two one <laughs> <Okay>. welcome <laughs> to episode 150 of the skate podcast no but it's been a long time uh except so for me you guys see each other all the time um but i needed a nice six month break from you guys just to keep my sanity um but no, I'm, I'm I'm good for the craziness now. So let's go. We're just
2: happy you returned from Florida unscathed. Um, yeah. Well, we were worried. <laughs> I,
1: I know there was some um there was some concerns, there was some worries about uh, you know was I was I attacked by a pack of hyenas? No, I wasn't attacked. Like I knew them. We were friends. <laughs> um I told them to quiet down. I told them I was doing a podcast and they were fine for the first half and then they just got a little rambunctious back there playing two-hand touch, but yeah, I'm back. I'm okay. Um, I watched uh, watched the Winter Classic from the Sunshine State, which was interesting considering how awesome the scenery looked in here, here in Boston. It didn't even look that cold. It looked like it was like 50 it degrees. Wasn't. It was, yeah. So I picked a bad week to go away. It was really nice in Boston. It,
2: it was. It was, what, 58 degrees the day that we skated at Fenway? It was ridiculous. And then for the actual game, it was like 48, 50 degrees at puck drop. So
0: Yeah, walking around, it was like... Bunch of people just, you know, in regular jerseys, no winter coats. You had, you know, people actually able to clap. They're not covered up in five layers of gloves like at at Gillette.
2: Oh, my God. I was so cold at the one at Gillette. I'll never forget how cold I was. I'm still scarred from it.
1: I mean, Patriot places they do a great job there for, like, pregame and postgame activities and stuff, but... You can't top Fenway. Uh, you know, oh, my the, God. Like, Brian, down, I can was, only imagine how, how we, it we was We We showed up game. at,
2: like, 9 a.m., and there was people just... It was, like, already packed out the door. Every yeah. bar, like, the like cask, like, uh, every bar in that area was already completely packed. People were already mobbed at the streets. We, Time on
0: Market was packed for the Gresham Hart broadcast, the WEI uh, Classic broadcast. And mm-hmm. it looked
2: great on TV, too. Like, it was completely full. Um, All the angles, like... Obviously, Scott and I were there, so we didn't get to see it on TV originally. But to see all the different angles of different things and some stuff that we missed because you know we weren't watching the broadcast, um, it was just crazy. It kind of and I saw that the ratings were very, very good. And at one point in time, it was the top trending subject on Twitter, like during the game.
1: Well, it was the yeah. highest rated regular season game in how long?
0: It was the h- highest rated ever on cable. Wow. So- you know so take out the ones that were nbc exclusives but highest ev- you know beat anything that was ever on nbc sports or you know i guess i guess that includes even going back to espn so
1: yeah i mean and also it's great for the bruins to get their day in boston right like they've obviously been a phenomenal story all year but in in the in in boston obviously the patriots take up a lot of you know uh headlines and limelight and we get that but it was nice for for one day for all eyes to be on the Bruins locally for sure.
0: Yeah, it was and you know hopefully more eyes now shift to the Bruins obviously Patriots season ending Sunday, no no playoffs for them, another under 500 season so you know that shift now where you know, I feel like every year there's always these shifts that kind of occur where it's like Okay, when Bruins and Celtics playoff runs in and then more people start paying attention to the Red Sox, when Patriots season ends, more people start paying attention to the Bruins and Celtics. And, you know, I, I think the Bruins already had more people's attention just because of how awesome their start has been. But hopefully it's more now. You know, I know it's going to be a busy Patriots off season. There's going to be lots of stuff happening there. But people want to watch games. And now, you know, hopefully uh, more people start tuning in for Bruins. They don't. Don't have to stay up late, uh, at least not for you know another month or so till they go back out west. Uh, we're yeah, about that to was kind of
2: brutal. We're about
0: to recap start. this West Coast trip, which uh, turned out to be pretty remarkable for the Bruins.
1: Yeah, well, you know it's it's interesting because on the broadcast and on on social media, wherever you hear about people talking about the Bruins, it's. The they talk about the the California sweep and and how great it was for them to, for them to do that and the California sweep isn't what it used to be right like it used to be a gauntlet like the Sharks Ducks and Kings for like a five six seven year stretch they were all top of the Western Conference um, and it was it was a real gauntlet so the Ducks and the Sharks are you know they're rebuilding obviously but considering the fact that the Bruins had the high of the Winter Classic and all that encompassed with it to turn around and travel on the road that presented its own challenges even though the teams themselves except for the Kings aren't the greatest uh competition there were other challenges this year to make up for what used to be the gauntlet of, of southern california and san jose as well and northern california but uh great what a great road trip for the bruins they outscored them 16 to 5 those three teams right so there's a lot to break down
0: yeah it, it was insane and they wrap it up you know with a back to back and beat the ducks 7 to 1 and, yeah, the, the Ducks are horrible, like, no question about <laughs> it. They're they're the worst team in the NHL. Um, but still, just, like, how dominant the Bruins looked and how, you know, they didn't let up at, on back-to-back. Um, the win over the Kings to start, the, I know we talked about it last podcast, but, like, that was an impressive win. Um, you know, the Kings were a team that came to the Garden and beat the Bruins in a shootout uh, just a few weeks earlier. And... Bruins take care of business there. You know, get a 4-2 win over the Sharks and then just totally dominate the Ducks. Parsonach, seven goals in three games on this road trip. Um, adds an assist for good measure. Just all around, just what, like whatever they did worked. You know, you start the road trip with the perfection line reunited and they're scoring just like old times. Montgomery decides to change it up for the Anaheim game, just kind of mix things up a little. or reunites the check line and they go out and Score four goals, uh, two you know at at even strength they score four goals, two from Passenach, one from Krejci, and then they help set up the Hampus Lindholm goal too, which, you know, good for him and his return to Anaheim for the first time since the trade. Um, Bruins fans, great job mm. uh, showing out. Uh, all three games are clear a lot of Bruins fans, but...
2: It was like Anaheim, it was a
0: home game. Yeah, Anaheim in particular, like, that was a home game.
2: It yeah. was. Uh, you saw the pasta hat trick, and, the, like, you just look along the boards, and the boards are just moving because... Fans were all Bruins fans along the glass, just banging the wall. And you know, it's pretty much a home game when you're at a Bruins Anaheim Ducks game, and the chant is uh, "Yankees suck." So you're—it's <laughs> clearly not anything anyone in Anaheim gives a crap about. So <laughs> it's essentially just been a complete takeover. You could just feel that it was. And for the hat trick, hats were coming on the ice like it was the Garden too. So yeah, they—they they definitely had the time change, like the time difference that. But it was almost home ice um, in Anaheim, yeah. for sure. And you mentioned Lindholm getting a goal. He got he got it kind of late, but um, they did do that tribute to him in the first period, I think the first media timeout or the second media timeout, they came out of it. And um, they were they were tributing him because he'd been there for, what, like eight years or something? He'd been yeah. there a long time and was a, a favorite for them. And then we, we got to see Vakanainen, who mm-hmm. was part of that trade when the Bruins traded for Lindholm at the last deadline, and just kind of like brings it back back up, like what the Bruins gave away, but what the Bruins got. Like I think it was a fair return for the Bruins to have to give up Bokunin in a first and two seconds. I think right now for the way that they have this team put together, um, when you're going all in, <laughs> yeah. they did what they had to do, and it, it for both teams that trade. Is gonna end up working out because well, the, I mean, ducks, we'll are a, the it, it, ducks are it, in such a rebuild though that that's what they needed was the picks.
0: Well, it depends on what they do with the picks, obviously. But yeah, you know, I mean, honestly, like if they get anything that's half of Lindholm, like
2: yeah, because Lindholm was the number six pick in his draft.
0: Yeah, it, like I, I don't think the ducks are gonna ultimately love that trade. But Lindholm is gonna be a free agent; they're gonna lose him anyways. So you at least you know, Vekininen is what he is; he's not. You know he certainly doesn't have the potential that he once did, and like what he's their sixth defenseman right now. I kind of think that might be a ceiling. I guess we'll see. Um, you know, but you get you get the picks. You you take some stabs. Like that's what they need. Obviously, they just need as many dart throws as possible. So yeah, in, and in that sense, like yeah, they'll take it, and you know, at least it's something that might pay off. Whereas they're probably going to lose Lindholm for nothing. So um, you know that part's good for them but they they're not the chances of them drafting someone and getting someone out of this that's anywhere close to Lindholm's level is very well, slim. Well,
2: think about where that first round draft pick would be. You're, you're getting a draft pick from the number 1 team. Like it's not like the year that the Bruins had the first round draft pick for the Kessel trade and they got to pick number 2 and they had they got to draft Tyler Sagan. Like it's not that kind of a first round draft pick when they're when all is said and done. Um but yeah, so you can see that that's, like, a full rebuild team. Like, the very beginning of a rebuild, you have, like, s- some good young players, but it's just not a cohesive team. It's, like, some guys can set up scoring chances, and Zegras had a goal, but, like, you're watching, like, individual efforts and not really a team effort, if if that's, like, a better way to look at what kind of a team Anaheim is right now.
0: Yeah. yeah. Just, so just to keep track of it, the Anaheim-drafted... Nathan Gauthier with that pick that um, would have been the Bruins this past summer. So, I don't know. Any, if anyone wants to track Nathan Gauthier's career, there you go.
1: Find my iPhone on him. Um, so, we'll, we'll get to the Ducks game. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll just go kind of in chronological order. Uh, so, let's go back to the Sharks game first because we talked about after the Kings game that uh, – it took the non-trip call on Brad Marchand to kind of make those wires cross a little bit, and he was he 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 kind of just was a different player for the rest of that game, uh, and then in a good way, and then you, he he kicks off the game in San Jose with uh, no doubt about it, his best goal of the year, a vintage Marchand. Not that every goal he scores is end to end, but just vintage in the sense that. That's what he's capable of doing. And, look, I don't think you're going to watch any— I don't think the Sharks' defense had any good uh, YouTube tips on how to play uh, a one-on-one rush there. Um, but Martian, his, his deceptiveness will do that to a player, right? And and he just goes out in an individual effort. Um, great way to start the game. And, again, just another example, the latest example of him really starting to find his form.
0: Yeah, it was kind of funny after that game. Like He was asked about and he was like, yeah, you don't get those chances too often. Like usually the defender, you know, blocks off the inside, you have to stay wide. He was like, kinda opened up and gave me the inside, so I just took it. And it's like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's basically what happened. He is, likes yeah. to throw
2: a little subtle shade whenever he can. So yeah, that's he does. what that's exactly what that was. And then he had one of the easiest goals of the season in the Anaheim game where a Puck yeah. comes out to him and Gibson's completely out of the net. It was just mm-hmm. a free wide open net. So
0: Yeah, that G- Gibson looked so helpless, like it was almost sad. Like there, there was a time when John Gibson was an elite goalie, and it, it's been a while since he was. And it's one of those things where it's like, how much, how much of that is just that he's been playing behind such a bad defensive team yeah. for so many well, years. Well, even think now. about
2: like Olmark. Olmark's numbers were not great when he was with Buffalo because he was playing for Buffalo, and now, like obviously, Buffalo's doing better this year. Still not great, but better. Yeah. But the team that he had in front of him in Buffalo was making him look bad, and yeah, you kind of get hopeless. What's their record? Where they have how many points? I gotta look Who, it up. Buff-
1: like
2: Anaheim no, or Buffalo? Anaheim.
1: Oh boy, I think I think they're like 24 points or something.
0: I think they still only have four regulation wins. Like 41 yeah. games. I think they've played 41 games now, so they're halfway through the yeah. season, and they have four regulation I, wins.
1: I I might be a few points off, but after the after last. With the current yeah, standings, 12, I think the Bruins are 44 or 48 points clear of the last place team in the league, and I, I think Anaheim might be that team or just ahead of it.
0: They're eleven points clear of the second place team in the league. I know, team, I know, I, I, know, I, know I know.
1: It's crazy. I know. It's in, it's insane. It's it's.
2: But look, looking at uh the the Ducks stats, like I just said, they're minus seventy three. So like, yeah, they've, a, but they've only can go up from there. They've only scored ninety six goals this season, and every team, every other team is. Besides the Blackhawks is over a hundred, so
0: yes. So you have you are the Bruins at plus sixty eight now after last night, oh. and the Ducks at minus 73. I think, like can't can't get a bigger gap than that. I think it
1: was with the Blackhawks were they the their last right their last place the Blackhawks are. Yeah, they only have yeah. ten
2: wins, and the Ducks yeah. have twelve. Whew,
1: sheesh. Uh, there is going to be some interesting deadline moves <laughs> in a month, in a couple of months, with some players on those teams. Yeah, because but... those
2: those teams are still sellers, right? We saw yeah. them be sellers at the last year's trade uh, deadline and that's how the Bruins get Lindholm and yeah. um, who knows what's I mean, going to happen with the Blackhawks and yeah. the way they decide to sell off. I mean, this even year. Uh,
1: even a guy like Eric Carlson, who we just saw, he's going to end up somewhere else, you would think, right? So, yeah, you know, it, it's 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 one of those things where you look at the NHL landscape right now and the Bruins are not even just points wise, but uh, they're just far and away the best team in the league when it comes to roster depth and, and performances from everybody, but what we can't predict is, like, we look at the Eastern Conference now and you look at Carolina as they stand with the addition of Max Pacioretty finally on the team from offseason surgery or whatever it was. But, like, Carolina could give the Bruins a hard time in the playoffs if they were to meet. Um, Toronto, like, they got to prove it, but they're capable of giving anybody a tough time. Obviously, Tampa deserves respect. But right now, as the league stands, it's tough to really see, all right, who's going to really push the Bruins, who haven't lost twice in their all year, uh, to beat them four out of seven times. But as the deadline comes and goes, we'll see what teams add, and and that will change things. Um, but, yeah, so Carlson's the one guy we watch. We I'm know gonna, where he goes.
0: I've, I, I'm going to ask you guys a question that just got planted in my mind. Uh, just before we start recording by Bradford Understudy Coop asked me, what percent chance do you give the Bruins to win the Stanley Cup right now? I'm curious what you guys' answer would be.
1: Well, I would say I give the Bruins a. Hmm, That's question, impossible. Scott.
2: That's an impossible question because, like, there's so many odds involved too. Like, what are the Vegas odds right now?
0: I, don't know. I know they're definitely I'll, I'll favorites. You, they're favorites, I'll, I'll, but I'll give the
1: Bruins. I'll give the Bruins a. I'll, I'll say I'll give them a twenty percent chance to win the cup.
0: So I I told Coop. Forty percent, but the more I think about it, I think it should be lower. I think That's I'm going so like, high. Yeah,
1: I love, I would love that, <laughs> but you know, it's a tough grind, and you never. Yeah, know. I'm,
0: gonna, I'm gonna like I'm going I think I'm gonna lower it to like thirty percent. Like I, yeah. I'll
1: meet you in the middle. I'll go I, there. I
0: really like their chances. I think they are like pretty clear favorites. Yeah, but yeah, obviously, like you can't go too high just because there's so much randomness in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, like one injury can can throw you off, or just a bad series or a bad couple games. Yeah, run into a hot goalie like. So you know, it's not also like if you
2: if you have a really tough first round matchup and like you you hit the hardest team for whatever reason in the first round, like you're which they don't have a chance to play. No, they shouldn't. That's
1: the that's that's the luxury they've had, and and not to interrupt you, Scott, but that's the luxury. That's the biggest luxury they've had with first place in the Atlantic. You avoid that Tampa Toronto first round match.
0: But like, what you could see though is you know, okay, what if they end up with the Rangers or Islanders in the first round? And all of a sudden, and Igor Shostak and or Elias Sorokin gets hot, which and, like, I think you both have... of those both of those goalies are very much capable of doing.
2: Yeah, and and if you have an injury in goal yourself, like there's too many variables. <laughs> well,
0: fortunately, the
1: Bruins have that depth in that where they have so... the other guy too. But yeah, I mean, well,
2: well thanks for the question, Cooper. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know. I mean, look, I, 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 I'm look. I'll put it this way, Scott. My confidence in the Bruins is what you said, like forty percent. Like. So that's how when the Bruins touch the ice, it's like you just know how much better they are than everybody else. But we've seen it in the past and, and look, I don't I don't look at the twenty uh nineteen Lightning, I don't look at the 2021, 2022 Panthers and say like well it happened to them, it got to the Bruins. I mean, yeah, it could, but they're much the Bruins have a much the Bruins are, have a much much different makeup than that Florida team last year. They're closer to what that Tampa team was a few years ago, as far as character and stuff. But they're not that Florida team. They won't let that happen. And Florida did win around last year, to be fair to them. But um, yeah, the sky's the limit for the Bruins. So we we just you just don't know what the future holds.
0: Yeah, and, and even that Tampa team had now like they had their older core guys who had been to conference finals or a cup final before, but they had some younger guys on that team that really hadn't been there yet certainly hadn't been favorites like hadn't been on a great team and I think some of those guys were the ones who kind of weren't quite ready that year now obviously they still shouldn't have gotten swept like that was still just a crazy fluke result but even that I think like this Bruins team is different because it's like pretty much everyone has playoff experience and has been there has been on deep runs even even a guy like Lindholm who comes over, okay, they didn't go deep last year, but he's been to two Western conference yeah. finals. Like he's been there. He knows he knows what it takes. So they've all, you know, now Taylor Hall hasn't, you know, he got the second round his first year in Boston. He hasn't really made a deep run, but I think his maturity in general that we see like will benefit him. So like, even though, you know, Taylor Hall hasn't gone to a conference finals or a cup final, I think. I think he understands what it takes, you know, like, I don't think there's going to be any, not going to be anything that happens in the playoffs where he's unprepared for Like he's, he's been around long enough. He has the right attitude. I think he, he's been a sponge around guys like Bergeron and Marchand and, you know, understands that now. Um, And so much of the rest of the core has, has been on a deep run before McAvoy, Pasternak, Grizzlik, um, DeBrusque, like, they're around in 2019. So it's, you know, really the only part of the team where you look at and say, okay, these guys haven't gone on a deep run is goalie. Yeah. Because Allmark and Swayman haven't. And that's where, if you have them both going well, hopefully that benefits you. Where even, you know, obviously Allmark is on an unbelievable half season heater at this point, where it's like you keep thinking he's going to have to cool down at some point, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, you know, maybe in the playoffs he hits a tough stretch well if you have swimming going well then you still should feel pretty good about that like it it seems at least as as things stand now, it would seem unlikely that both goalies are are off at the same time
2: yeah and and I I want to just like bring some stats into it so the Bruins well look at
0: Bridget being the one to bring (laughs) stats it's not advanced
2: stats it's just like to use some logic to put some (laughs) some stats into the logic like they have an 85% points percentage they haven't lost back-to-back games the whole season in order to lose in a playoff series you usually lose back-to-back games like you there's Mm -hmm. not four losses coming in a a short amount of time for them at any point during the season so like in order for that to happen to them like we haven't seen it yet so um and, and they've scored the second most goals per like they're almost averaging four goals per game yeah. like usually a team that can put up four goals in the playoff is winning that game um you know with, especially when you have a goalie behind you that's not going to let in four goals per game so if you just kind of like use that logic you can see how it makes a lot of sense that people are predicting them to make such a deep run and why it seems like a really difficult task for any team to come up against them and and be able to pull off like Putting up five goals somehow, like on the Bruins, or pulling off wins on multiple like multiple games in a row over a team that hasn't lost multiple yeah. games in a row yet this season.
1: The the only thing about that because that's exactly right, and that's why we feel so confident. But we as spectators know, like and and certainly as players and coaches, they know it. The only problem is that when you get to the postseason. There's a lot of intangibles that don't present themselves in the regular season, and, and that's why the playoffs are, are an unknown. And some intangibles would be, okay, other teams feeling like, throw the regular season out the window, it's a fresh start for a certain players, certain teams, everybody's back to square one. Um, the higher seeds, like the Bruins this year, are gonna feel an immense amount of pressure, and maybe they won't. Maybe their professionalism and their leadership won't allow that to creep into their room. But from the outside looking in, there is a ton of pressure on this team to to perform. That will creep into the locker room, and then you have you know momentum swings and coaches strategizing throughout the course of a series. In the regular season, it's eighty two games, and you are bouncing around like a you know like you are getting stamps at the food court. But you know in the in the postseason, you are seeing the same opponent seven times, and you know possibly two weeks and they're shutting your guys your top guys down and it's just a different game, it really is. It tightens up. But yes, they are they are the favorite going in for a reason when we get to that point and that's why the expectations are sky high. But things do change though.
2: And remember last playoffs, like, they had a hard time with Carolina because they couldn't get the matchups they wanted, like, offensively, and they couldn't open up certain guys to, like, actually get things going. Like, you're you're looking for Pasternak to get going, and you're looking for, like, Bergeron and Marshawn to get going, and I just feel like they have so many more options for rotating them around the lineup this time as well. So if you see, like, them go against a Carolina again or something like that, like, okay, they're able to match up against... The check line. will switch back to the perfection line, or or yeah. vice versa, or just either the options are there. They've had time to see how it looked um, throughout the season, and they have that extra option now with Zaka to use a check line, which they didn't have last season.
0: Yeah, and just yeah, you know, again, like Taylor Hall on the third line is something that's going to present any team with problems, and even if Eric like,
2: Hall isn't your second line center anymore,
0: yeah, it's <laughs> there's so much deeper and. You know, Crazy's return was obviously a big part of that, but uh Zaka, the way he's been able to fit in anywhere, Debrusque having the best season of his career, obviously before injury, but um Trent Frederick breaking out, like all of that makes him so much deeper. Felino having a bounce back season. It's it's at, like, yeah, they just from like a names names on paper perspective, there weren't a ton of changes in the offseason, but Overall, it looks apples and oranges, really.
2: And they were missing a few defensemen at different points in that series, too. Like Lindholm had suffered an an upper body injury. I think it was a concussion. Yeah, it was. Um, McAvoy missed a game with COVID or an illness or whatever that they were. Very weird
0: situation. Yeah.
2: I think Grizzly might have missed a game or something in that series. Grizzly
0: missed, I think, the last three.
2: Yeah, so they had. Those guys down, and we haven't seen that happen yet this year. But that's yeah. obviously still something that could yeah. could happen.
1: I mean, yeah, like they had to your point, like McAvoy and Lindholm missed a simultaneous game together in the playoffs, and like, like, yeah, that could still happen. And they actually
0: won that game. They, they did. <laughs> they did
1: because that's when you know Cliffy Hockey became a Norris When it, Whenever he has to step up, he steps up. But you guys, it's it's very very true what you're saying. It's very evident the depth in this team. Not only. Not only depth lines one through four; it's the different combinations that Bridget mentioned that you can go with. It's it's yeah, it's your twelve forwards that you have, and you know thirteenth or fourteenth if you need them. But it's a different combination you can you can create. This team they they're they're very very good. I mean, uh, that's the most obvious thing I've probably said all year. Only (laughs) you know nine days in, but it's it the the emergence of Frederick, like Scott mentioned, Nick Nick Foligno. By all intents and purposes, was on this team last year on the ice. He, he, you've added like you've you've added back a very very strong player in him. The depth, the character. uh I mean, Coyle and coil and Taylor Hall on your third line is just it's stupid. And Scott, you mentioned like Taylor Hall, how he hasn't won in his career, but like, you know, he does have some playoff experience. But the thing is, you're not relying on Taylor Hall. Like yeah. he, he's he, he's one he, he's just one of 21-22. 20, the only guy on this Bruins team that they're going to rely on heavily, even with the depth, that they're going to rely on heavily to continue what they're doing in the regular season, uh, in the post is what they're doing in the regular season is, is passion act. Like you need, you need him to still be him. The other guys can pick each other up along the way, but you're going to need your best player to be your best player. Um, and he's just going off right now.